myself and uh, my registrar, I was doing a locum at the time, ear, nose and throat, uh, had been to the rugby club dinner the night before. And so we were a little hungover, uh, he more than I. And if you put a mirror to the back of someone's throat and you actually touch the back of the throat, sometimes the patient goes, <coughs> like that. And he was doing this, looking down the patient's throat, the patient went, and he went, Bleh! Gunslingers, hardcore enigmas, and a python gives a riveting performance. All on this 30-second midnight video with your hosts, me, Jim Hall. And me, Phil Walsh. Tonight, Czechoslovakia has the traditions of the all-American western in its sights, as lunatic satire Lemonade Joe rides into town. We just hate to watch Melanie Griffiths parading about topless and grinding her ass, <laughs> stroking her thighs. But it was you listeners who forced us to watch Brian De Palma's erotic thriller, Body Double. And baffled factory drone Graham Chapman goes on a bizarre odyssey through an industrial nightmare in Small Creeps Day. Phil, you're the proud owner of a three-year-old child. <laughs> Two and a half. In a perfectly legitimate way. So you don't get to go to the cinema very often. No. However, this week... Yeah, I did. I heard you had a little trip to the silver screen. I did. It's my first trip this year, I think, actually. And I said that to Adam uh, Adam Lowe's, who actually got me to see um, Snowtown with a Q&A with the director. And we were sat there and like, in front of the screen. I said, oh, this is the first time I've been to the cinema. <laughs> and he said... Phil, this isn't a cinema. <laughs> it's just a screening room. <laughs> it blew the magic out of my eyes. Wow. Do you think you'll go back again? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really wanting to see um, Cabin in the Woods when it comes out, so that's that'll be a definite appointment for me. Mm-hmm. But, um, no, I had a great time. It was a really, really good film, quite, quite gruesome. The last thing I saw at the cinema was John Carter, which has this week been announced as like one of the biggest flops in Hollywood history. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've kind of been following that on Twitter. Uh, people saying it is a flop and other people saying that it's not. It's what, not in terms of whether Give it's it making its money back or not? Yeah. No, I just, I heard um, I heard the director being interviewed on the radio and he was given the impression that he was given a pretty much free reign to do whatever he wanted. And the interviewer did say, why is it called John Carter rather than John Carter of Mars? He said market research shows that Mars is a, Mars in the title of a film doesn't do very well. Oh, Ghost of Mission 2. Well, starting with the Palmer, yeah. Um, I just think that's a prime example of... Because uh, I'm pretty sure that's one of the reasons it's flopped, is that the film's just called John Carter. It doesn't yeah. mean anything. It could be like Vera Drake or something. Vera <laughs> Drake of Mars might have been <laughs> an exciting movie. Um, but yeah, you've got nothing to hang it on at that. But no, it was. it started off pretty... I really quite liked it to begin with. It had really good design. And much as I loathe CGI, it was... I thought it's been put to good use to create this world you hadn't really seen before, and then it just got really boring. Mm. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Like, uh, quite. I mean, the trailer really sold it to me when I yeah, saw the trailer no, a, few, a few months ago. It'll be worth a watch when uh, when it rolls to DVD. Yeah. Still, you ready to saddle up and hit the west? <laughs> Yeehaw!
Frosties have Tony the Tiger, McDonald's a suspect clown you shouldn't leave your kids with, and in 1964 miracle soft drink Cola Loca had Lemonade Joe, a clean living mascot and spokesman who takes on lawless whiskey drinkers in the Wild West, winning the admiration of a fetching young evangelist and her father while enraging a local saloon owner and his crackpot magician brother in this Czechoslovakian comedy, mocking big business and heroic western fantasies. One of your choices, one I've never heard of, this is the beginning of lots and lots of reviews, isn't it? I remember, yeah. though, looking this up um, on the internet, and just the poster has really sort of stopped me in my tracks. It's black and white shot of a very festive-looking gentleman at the piano singing his heart out, but they've coloured in his outfit in bright yellow. <laughs> I was expe- It brought to mind um, The Three Amigos. Right. you familiar okay. with that? Yes. When yeah, they yeah. sing My Little Buttercup. I thought it was going to be some... <laughs> quite um, I thought it was going to be quite a homoerotic western I thought it was going to be Czechoslovakia's answer to Brokeback Mountain <laughs> uh, where did you come across this um, just randomly um, I was reading um, quite a while ago now but he's just been celebrated in because the BFI are running um, a festival of uh, Yuri Trinker or Jiri Trinker I'm never sure with the pronunciation um, a great uh, animator from uh, Czechoslovakia and um, I found it through an article, it was mentioned in an article he, he somehow had something to do with it I think it's an old uh, cartoon strip in Czechoslovakia yeah. Lemonade Joe is yeah. and it just sounded interesting and I heard oh, there was a film about it, and th- that's purely for that reason, I thought a Czechoslovakian western uh, how, how funny could that be which surprisingly there's a name for this genre an Erston <laughs> Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. No, I didn't know that. Because Jodorowsky always sounds very pleased with himself when he says, oh, El Topo was an Eastern rather than a Western because it had the philosophy in it and things. But um, (laughs) no, I, uh, well, to describe this. It's quite yellow. Well, it's black and white but tinted throughout, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's Um, a funny The filters are quite color coded, which I think. Yeah. like yellow for Lemonade Joe's prominent scenes, red for romance, I think blue for night, you know, so... Green um, for dreams. Yeah, um, of which there are several. Yeah, but the thing is, what what surprised me, I thought it was going to be very much a piss take of uh, contemporary westerns of that time, but it actually goes way back, and even, you could even say it's like something like Dr. Plonk, it's like an homage to the really early cinema, Mm. um, early westerns anyway, the silent ones. Because you have lots of speeded up effects, um, dodgy jump cuts, um, and pretty poor dubbing sometimes <laughs> for the singing. Yeah. But it's—I mean, I, I really, I really enjoyed it because it's just really curious and odd, and it made me laugh a lot more than I expected it to. Rather like Phenomena last week, this lulled <laughs> me into a full sense of security because I—I started watching this, and the, like you say, there's the silent movie element to it. The opening's just a, a huge fight in a bar with all these whiskey drinkers. There's a um, showgirl, isn't there? Is it Tornado Lou? Lou Tornado, yeah. yeah. Um, all sort of speeded up film, piano, and you know, the band keeps playing while this is going on. You've got all the usual comedy with the Undertaker who's rubbing his hands, and I was just thinking, man, this is, this is going to be as funny as you'd expect a Czechoslovakian <laughs> Western from 1964. <laughs> And then it does get really odd, doesn't it? And I think yeah. the first thing is when um, Lemonade Joe comes into the bar um, to save this. Uh, it's a couple of evangelists, isn't it? It's a, a father and daughter. They're like Puritans, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, they'll yeah. sort of get people to sign the pledge and give up drink. 
and it's when he sort of does all the fancy gun gunplay and stuff, vanquishes the the villain who I think is Pistol. fantastic, isn't he? This real slob. <laughs> it's <laughs> like Bluto or something. Isn't it? A mixture of Bluto and Patrick Troughton. He's this, <laughs> this really expressive face, and he does so much great eye rolling and things in it. Um, and yeah, as soon as he's sort of sorted this guy out, he's sort of pretty much looking into the camera and saying it's all down to this cola loca you know which, which is possibly an anagram of something i'm not sure mm, yes could be. but um this is it. i must admit if this with any other film i'd probably be tempted to say it's just a bit of a goofy comedy but it's kind of interesting watching this this is um several shows back we did sex mission polish comedy mm. where it's very clear that there's a, a dystopia and it was almost like wouldn't it be terrible if the government was, <laughs> uh, you know, stripping back your liberties and things? Um, to have that anti, anti the communist regime thing in Sex Mission, and this just seems to be like screw America, doesn't it? Absolutely, yeah. It's very much anti product placement. Uh, well, I don't suppose the, uh, there was product placement back then. Uh, usually, J and B wasn't it? it was always yeah. um, very prominently featured. <laughs> it's a Giallo special, Not, as well. yeah, <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, it was. It just sort of took you out of it. It was kind of. I'm reluctant to use such a pretentious word as metatextual, but it did. <laughs> it wasn't. Oh, this is, there's a bit more to this than you expect, and then it just went into some crazy camp and things, didn't it? I mean, this was always in danger of being a bit too much like, um, or I felt it did. Uh, Casino Royale, the spoof one from the sixties, right, which just, I've never seen. All right, well, don't bother. It's <laughs> I'm going to. It's fucking <laughs> dreadful. Um, but no, sorry, I'm hogging the. Hmm. Hogging them. Oh, you were trying to get a mouthful of Stella down. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no. um, I did. I was watching it in the same kind of vein because obviously 1964, Czechoslovakia. Yeah, you've got the the obvious regime, and um, yeah, because I was also thinking it's it's quite funny that they use something like the Western so obvious to um, to like two finger America, but. There's something quite lovingly portrayed there as well. There's it, definitely something like the filmmaker is saying. I really appreciate this aspect of it. You know, the the the. I suppose it's an ancient kind of story, isn't it? The the, the lone gun, yeah, lone uh, gunslinger in that yeah. or knight errant yeah. or what. But it has all the iconography from that, isn't it? Yes, so. yeah, but yeah, and I thought it was a really well well made as well because of this. This knowingness about it, um, like I said, you know, all the silent um, cinematic ob- observations that they do, and there's just like a few scenes that <laughs> they kind of made me laugh, but with in the same way that Doctor Plonk did, you know, because they're, they're like lovingly homage. But when he's uh, Lemonade Joe has sort of gone away, um, I can't quite remember where he's gone to, but he's on this journey going through the desert oh, it's quite obviously the, yeah. a desert and you start getting these images in the distance yeah. of quite renowned places around there's the world the, there's the sphinx isn't there and i think sphinx is the acropolis did tower bridge crop up tower there, bridge not far from where we're recording now in fact <laughs> the thing is the copy i was watching had subtitles throughout but they cut out for his song which was in english though oh right i couldn't was it yeah yeah man i couldn't um, pick that so far, like so far. All oh, right, it was just so high <laughs> so up. I was just assuming yeah. it was all in, uh, in. No, that wasn't English. Oh, That's yeah. why I was like, the, I was laughing at the dubbing because there's moments where his mouth is absolutely tight shut, yeah. and he's singing, like looking at the camera and singing, but nothing really. I didn't even before. realize he was singing in English. <laughs> I had check neck. Yeah. 
But and the, and also, sorry, I'll jump in there. But but the characters were great fun as well, especially. Um, well, I think we well, we'll pro- probably love the same one. Hogo Fogo. Hogo Fogo. The sort Joe of Joe Spinell. Yeah, I thought he had a touch of Peter Sellers to him. Now yeah, kind of actually, yeah. Hooded eye, and it's very much the kind of role he'd have been playing. Cause mm. he, um, I suppose kind of the key villain in it is this guy Doug Badman, yeah. uh, who's the saloon owner. But um, Hogo Fogo or Horace Horace Badman is it? So yeah. it turns up that he's a magician. He's a conjurer, and so he comes up with all these bogus disguises. Uh, he's quite keen on the big beard. There's a lovely bit. I think the first thing I really laughed at was um, when he allows himself to get arrested so he can prove how, what a vicious killer he is. And they slap the handcuffs on him and he's got false hands. <laughs> just, it was really <laughs> stupid, but I was just really <laughs> chuckling at that. And throughout, I mean, I'm sure you love this as well. There's just a bizarre bit after a shootout. <laughs> When he appears as in blackface as a minstrel oh, with a is, white top hat, it's incredible. And then, yeah, the words like Czechoslovakia filmmaking in the sixties, they, they become something much closer to that. It's very it kind of odd, and it's got him. Lemonade Joe seems delighted that this minstrel's turned up with a trumpet, and he's, they're doing a little duet he, with him he on piano. But he kind of knows he's guys, there because he knocks on the piano, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah. he? He steps <laughs> up from behind out. it, round the room, and then yeah, yeah the, he goes all Louis Armstrong. He's then like popping up and down. He's like sort of appearing in all sorts of different places. And there's a bit when he kind of leaps in the air, but they keep rolling it back and forth, so he's <laughs> hovering. <laughs> so, uh, and then they shoot each other's bullets out of the air with a little animated line behind. It's full of really odd moments like that. But he was the standout character for me. Yeah, he Fogo, was. And I suppose much of the film is that guy with uh, frustrated efforts, like a well, wily Coyote figure, trying to get rid of uh, Lemonade Joe and mm. inevitably failing. Yeah, because he's kind of like, he's absolutely perfect and pristine, isn't he? And he's, uh, I mean, it's not really a spoiler because it happens quite early on, but... He's not just like this, like Clint Eastwood character who's coming to save the town. He is literally. Well, he's pre like Clint Eastwood because he would have been a morally ambiguous character, wouldn't he? Mm. He's much more in the Roy Rogers or Gene Autry right, kind yeah. of thing. He's like really clean cut. The fact that he's selling the fact that he doesn't drink and that's great, and you know you should all stop drinking and have cola loca <laughs> instead. <laughs> but yeah, no, sorry, go on. Cause but yeah, it, it comes to like that. He's a well, the first thing that comes to light is that he's a rep for them, isn't it? Yeah. And, <laughs> and it's just how, like, bowled over the uh, the Baptists or the yeah. Puritans are by this. and Because uh, one of them, he actually, the Puritan, he's called Ezra Ezra Goodman. Yes. Isn't he? O- opposite yeah, Doug Badman. Yeah, yeah. And um, they end up getting the, the bar, don't they? Mm-hmm. Running the bar, which is just stocked with a cola loca. Yeah. <laughs> and then she has this wonderful song where she's singing, but it's... This was a this was a great thing for me, and it's the first thing that probably really tipped me off that it wasn't just a daft comedy. They're evangelists, but they're the reason they're saying you shouldn't drink isn't so you're not tempted by sin or anything or sort of fall into bad ways, but so you're a good aim with your gun. <laughs> and the whole message here is how garbled a lot of American messages are. Mm. You know, this the simplicity of the Western when there's the good guys and the bad guys and stuff, and there's no ambiguity and. Uh, the whole deal here is that there's a big company that's riding in and trying to sell its product, um, but with no ethics behind it. So no. The fact that the, uh, the the Baptists are completely for this and they don't care that he's going around, yeah, go on, it'll be great, you'll be able to kill people much more efficiently. <laughs> and without giving away the very ending, but that gets even more ludicrous, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does. End, so it's mean, like morality is totally out the window at the end of it. Yeah, I mean, it just becomes like um, a, a crazy big punchline of 
underlining what they've been trying to get. Several punchlines. <laughs> yeah. Just, to, just so you get the message, definitely. Yeah, because I think even the the um, the Undertaker is really happy that when people are drinking cola locally because you don't need the is it you don't need the doctor anymore or the surgeon they just go straight to the Undertaker. Yeah. <laughs> There was another Hogo Fogo scene I really loved, which is when I think he's about to kill Lemonade Joe, but stops to have this little moment when he sings a song about how much he enjoys killing people. But he goes off into this little song, which sounds a bit like you've got to pick a pocket or two from Oliver, <laughs> but with a weird dub sound to it, given this is 1964. It's got a quite heavy beat to it, and then he sort of he yells, but it's got this really loud echo on it. Yeah, but illustrating that scene, it's got these lots of presumably people he's killed in the past. It's their dead faces with like ping pong ball eyeballs yes. <laughs> rotating around. I mean, that scene I just really loved. And also one he does later when he's disguised as a piano tuner, which has this really incredible piece of semi-animation, I suppose, mm. with these shadowy figures walking across the sheet music. Yeah. That then polarises, so it's like uh, black figures against a white background, isn't it? It's like... Uh, Wow, no. Um, it's kind of unsurprising that there's those elements to it that, I mean, coming from uh, a country that's, well, been at the, was at the forefront of animation anyway, and, um, you know, uh, experimental techniques. But it's great to see it in something that, it was a really popular film as well, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, certainly back in the day. I don't know. Back at home, and I think it won a did it win a prize at some internet. I can't. I didn't make a note of it. I thought it was at Cannes or something. I was going to say I think at Cannes. Yeah. yeah, it might have won. Um, maybe not the Grand Jury, but one of those. And allegedly, Henry Fonda was a big fan of this as well, which is a bit hard to. Really. <laughs> according to <laughs> no according idea. to Wikipedia, yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh dear. So you're going to take this over uh, Blazing Saddles? Uh, I'm putting you on the spot. Uh. Or Cactus Jack with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yes, I'll take it. Uh, okay. Over. I do Blazing Saddles, I love. Uh, uh, double Bill. I'll double Bill. Double bill okay. I'll have uh, Lemonade Saddles. <laughs> oh, so far to you I may For tonight to say Talk of Cola Loca reminds me. Uh, I read, um, you know, the Desmond Morris book, The Naked Ape, mm -hmm. sort of anthropology classic. There's a piece in that when um, they take sort of primary school kids to a zoo and ask them to list their favourite and least favourite animals to sort of prove this theory that humans tend to like things that are like them, with oh, two right. arms, two legs, hair, don't like things like insects and reptiles, which are too dissimilar. And, uh, you know, Morris proves his point, but there was a little asterisk, and then the footnote at the bottom said, you know, because these were very young children, we, we could only really take on data that was legible. So we're going to have to ignore votes for no doubt charming creatures such as the skipping worm and the Coca-Cola beast. <laughs> Which I'm assuming was a koala bear. But yes, I just, yeah. the, the image in my head was this weird plastic bag full of Coca-Cola with a horn. <laughs> wriggling around like this weird translucent slug. Ah, But talk of voting. Yeah. <laughs> Brings us From to one our, kind of body horror yeah. to another. <laughs> Brings us to our listeners' choice. Where last time we asked you to 
let us know which David Cronenberg movie you wanted us to uh, to review on mm -hmm. the next show. Uh, we vetoed The Fly and, and Video Drone because we thought they'd been reviewed to death elsewhere. And we love them. Yeah. We're giving them both double thumbs up. Yeah. Double plus good. Um, and yeah, I've got to say, this was the most heated of all of them, wasn't it? It was sort of... Um, it looked like there were two clear leaders. Yeah. And then suddenly the eventual winner kind of leapt frogged over them got like twice it's as many votes. Like two people mentioned yes. it and then it was and like, so it is Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, thanks to everybody who voted, Twitter and Facebook. No no one sends us anything on the Hotmail account. Anyway. No. Not no. for this anyway. I don't blame it's, you. it's more instant on uh, Twitter. It is. We're all like, it's a pulse, isn't it? And yeah. everyone's fingers are on it. <laughs> Goodness. Yeah. Do you want to kick off or shall I? Um... Yeah, you go for it. Yeah. Okay, so starting off with Dean, go early Cronenberg with Shivers. Actually, I noticed that's got a hashtag on it. Yeah, that's because I just copied and pasted it from oh, Twitter. <laughs> I thought you'd set up some discussion. There. No, no. Um, is, uh, is Shivers, I'm hungry, hungry for love? Yeah, and like... Yeah. Sorry. That's the barbed wire <laughs> armpit rather than the phallic. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I get him a little confused. And from Richard Street, what about stereo? That's nearly put me to sleep when I saw it at the ICA 20 years ago. <laughs> it did make a point of saying that's a joke. Um, but yeah, I've not seen stereo or Crimes of the Future. Um, no. I'd no. kind of like to see them. I'm quite intrigued by um, early sci-fi films mm. from the first-time directors. Yeah, so. Crimes, it always looks a bit THX-y. Uh, mm. Yeah, I'll get round to it. Ryan Haysom, I would say The Dead Zone which always seems to be overlooked. His first really mature film, and Walken is brilliant. And from our friend Lyndon, well, your friend, but <laughs> I think I just abused him the last time I saw him, didn't There's I? a lot of water under the bridge. Since then. <laughs> Scammers! You're talking about British thrillers all the time. I yeah, no, that's true. We've made up. Yeah, I've, yeah. I found a way you, in. You've bonded over <laughs> Edward Woodward. <laughs> Doesn't everyone? <laughs> everyone gets the Woodward. Wood, Woody, Wood. <laughs> Speaking of wood, Scanners, the leading man, is made of wood. <laughs> McGowan is off his chump, and the conspiracy plot falls apart at the end. But the film's full of interesting ideas and great scenes. Um, scanners, I know. I think at the time, Cronenberg's films were the only ones really making a profit for uh, Canadian film. Is it, I don't think it was the Canadian film, but, but anyway, um, it went put into production before they'd finished the script, which is why you do get lunatic moments in it. Do you, are you that familiar with Scanners? Uh, yeah, I've seen it a few yeah. times. There's a great bit when there's chaos breaking out at the, the plant where this experiment's going on, and McGowan's just wandering around with a voiceover, but responding to it. <laughs> oh, the right programme is the past, no? I must access the past. <laughs> yes, and he's nodding to himself, and like running his hand through his hair. Uh, amazing. Um, I thought that would get a lot more votes, actually, Scanners, because that was like the archetypal Cronenberg when I was a kid with his head head blowing up, you know. It was but, the first um, Cronenberg I ever saw, I think. Ah, but alas and alack. Matt Barnett, I'd love you to cover Fast Company alongside Crash. I've never come across it, and contrary reviews leave me intrigued. I'm also curious to reappraise Naked Lunch, as I've realised I've only seen it once and probably too early to appreciate it. Naked Lunch got quite a few votes. Yeah, it did. Um... But not not enough. No. Although I'm giving the game away there. But yeah, people um, are on the edge of their baths waiting for the. Uh, <laughs> I love Naked Lunch. I think it's a it's a sterling effort, and like um, just wouldn't get made now. 
that no, was a really like, major damn. release when it came out. I remember. Yeah, it was. And now you just think there's no other posters on the underground, weren't there? Pretty much the director of the, I think the director of the Fly or Dead Ringers and yeah. the producer of the Last Emperor. <laughs> this big synthesis, and it's like, wow. That's a cracking film, and Shiders in it. So, and Eric Young or Jung, sorry, I'm I'm never sure which, but um, you can tell me. I'm gonna go Young. Okay, I'm going Jung then. I'm really torn. <laughs> I'm really torn between The Brood and The Dead Zone. The latter is my favourite, but the former is the one I'd rather hear discuss on the show. Plus, some good Oliver Reed soundbite opportunities with The Brood. <laughs> so true. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Dom O'Brien, I think Existence deserves a pop. It's underrated in my book, plus Defoe is great in his small role. It's also full of Cronenberg's fantastic visceral strangeness. Have you seen the trailer for Cosmopolis, his latest one? No. Which has got Robert... It's a Don DeLillo or Don DeLillo yeah. book uh, adaptation, mm. and it's got Robert Pattinson. Oh, yeah. Pats. The Twilight <coughs> guy, yeah. Yeah, um, there's like a 30 second trailer that's leaked with uh, French subtitles on it for some reason. But yeah, wow, that looks quite interesting. But it le- it's kind of leaning towards existence and um, Dave Hall, oh, who's Jennifer Jason Lee in it. No. Oh. <laughs> Dave Hall, who we've mentioned a few times on the show, is saying he hope it veers more towards video drum. And, and yeah, it seems to be in between those two realms, I think. Mm. I don't know the book, I've never read any del- oh. del- like that. No. But yeah, it's worth a, worth a look, worth oh, a poke. <laughs> Plugging into your spinal column. <clears throat> um, Stuart Boyer, The Brood, Cronenberg's most personal, and in my opinion, his scariest film. Charles Edwards, The Brood or Rabid, stripped back, lean and very mean. Yeah, there's already there's a lot of brood love here. <laughs> there's <laughs> well, a lot of broodiness. <laughs> yes. Oh, that was the first, one of the first things I saw at the Scarlet Cinema many years ago. I only saw that for the first time maybe two years ago um, yeah I was quite surprised by it I was, wasn't was expecting the way it went but yeah, yeah. Uh, Mark Carroll my Cronenberg choice is Crash lots to discuss plus seems right after body double yes <laughs> indeed and rounding it off Phil McGee I would go with the dead zone there is a particular scene in the dead zone that has stuck with me since I was a kid no spoilers but if you've seen it you're thinking what like that now I realise I was watching a Cronenberg movie so that kind of thing is just par for the course so yeah that's just some of the guys who voted Yeah, we had a really good turnout for this yeah it was really good one. Yeah, thank Cronenberg again, obviously just really happy that people were getting involved with it yeah. it's good uh, and like I said there were like two clear leaders to begin with and then as soon as this one was mentioned it was like whoosh, <laughs> really shut up so straggling at the back spider fast company rabid dead ringers Scanners and existence, naked lunch and shivers are all sort of getting a few votes. But then the top three, in third place, the brood. In second place, crash. But then way out in the lead, way way out, <laughs> the dead zone. <laughs> wow, you looking forward to little Walken and Sheen? Ah, uh, yeah. I, I've mentioned this to you've someone. You've been saying you only watched the first ten minutes. Of it. Yeah, and. I don't know why I never finished it off. Um, you can predict the ending. King adaptations and never. I've never been a huge fan of adaptations. I mean, the best one for me is The Shining because it's least like his book. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a big King. Stand by me's fan. Yeah, I'm a bit funny with King. I know this is going to probably horrify all the horror fans out there, but I 
I started reading Stephen King when I was about 11. Like, I think Carrie was the first one I read. And by the time I was 14, I'd had enough of him, to be honest. <laughs> it's, it's just wears thin very quickly I, because I, a lot of books where the hero is a writer who lives in New England <laughs> yeah oh, bloody, I'm glad oh, yeah. I was going to say I'm glad no one voted for the dark half but yeah, that would have been very strange if you'd have been voting for that film uh, well <laughs> yeah, but yeah I mean I'm, I'm really intrigued to see uh, see this now so yeah, I'm all no, fired up looking for forward it. to that so thanks to everybody who voted really great to have the feedback and on the next show We'll be looking for your votes. I'm excited for this. You're up. You're putting your hands. (laughs) (laughs) For the next show, we'd like your votes for which film? By Werner Herzog. Werner Herzog. You'd like us to cover, and we're not vetoing anything this time. No, I mean he's got obvious ones, but I could happily rewatch any of his, and I think they're always up for a good discussion. Any of his films. You'll Um, probably release another three by the time we record the show. Yeah. The only thing I'd say is, I mean, it's not a a rule, but I'd rather people voted for a film as opposed to a documentary yeah that does, it's a little bit easier to um, it's just the documentaries are so they're a lot more difficult to talk about because they, they are yeah. what they are really <laughs> yeah those mean we'll never do one but uh, no 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 but um, but if you do vote for I don't know encounters it it's in your hands yeah. this isn't Czechoslovakia in the 60s <laughs> lemonade grizzly man yeah. <laughs> you've got to act If you're prone to claustrophobia, the worst place to discover it's probably when you're in a coffin acting in a cheap vampire movie. Happily, struggling thess Craig Wasson's luck soon turns when he's handed the keys to a fancy LA pad, a telescope, and a provocative neighbour who performs like clockwork. This being Brian De Palma, 1984's Body Double, also involves a murder, oodles of sex, an investigating hero out of his depth, and cameos from Frankie Goes to Hollywood. So this was voted by you, the lovely listeners. The readers of Spake. And um, at first, I was a bit like, "Oh, I've the only watched this." The listeners, the, the listeners, listeners. Sorry, I was a bit like, "Oh, I only watched this quite recently." You were a Not bit like, "What?" Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, oh, I'm so glad! I'm so glad to have watched it again. I had so much fun watching it the second time in <laughs> really? a few weeks. Um, yeah, uh, it's middle of the eighties. It's De Palma. Um, it's just totally over the top and it's like he's never had a leash on him but he's just going rampant if he was going to have a leash on him it would be some point during this film <laughs> yes, I think. Yeah. it'd be the Frankie Goes to Hollywood yes, section absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah I mean body double Jim's already gone through the the finer points of it but it's kind of infamous I guess even amongst the Palmer fans as being one of the, the more out there um, but it's dearly loved by a lot as well I have a confession. I got this completely confused. I think when when it was sort of creeping ahead on in the polls, I was thinking, oh, I was getting it totally mixed up with Body Heat. Oh right, uh, William Hurt. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think because yeah, Catherine Turner. Mm. I think because there was there was certainly a period for me when I thought De Palma was a fairly wretched filmmaker. <laughs> I've got to say, when I was a younger guy, um, things like Carrie I thought were really overrated. Dressed to Kill, I think I didn't really. App- I've not seen Dress to Kill for a while, but I remember not being at all impressed with that. It's over the top music, uh, uh, sort of. It was all built around a twist that you was completely obvious from the mm. beginning. I thought, and uh, you know, I don't. I've not seen The Fury for a long time, but I don't remember that being. That was like a very. That was like diet scanners. <laughs> I love The Fury. <laughs> <laughs> again, if I watch these again now, possibly I'll have a different opinion on it. Yeah. This though. Um, 
it wasn't the film I expected. And as soon as it began with that, uh, I thought, oh, well, this isn't that thing, is it? Because <laughs> Body Heat seemed to be, I had seen that a long time ago, and I thought, oh, yeah, that's going to be that kind of slightly sleazy thriller. Mm. When this started, and the titles are great, they're in that real B-movie thing with... Uh, they're red and they yeah, go to white. And yeah, with, yes. And we get this close-up of uh, Craig Wasson dressed like Dee Snyder from Twisted Sister <laughs> with his peroxide hair as his vampire in a coffin freezing up. Um, and it reminded me a lot... I know you're a big fan of Phantom of the Paradise. Yeah. Uh, it reminded me so much of Beef. <laughs> the over-the-top actor in that. But no, like I said, as a younger guy, I didn't like De Palma at all. And it, I remember being so shocked when I watched Carlito's Way and mm. thinking, that was really good. Because <laughs> this was like straight after Raising Cain, which was dreadful. And um, yeah, I, th- the point is, I think if I'd seen this earlier... I'd have got it because, uh, like I say, there's that B movie opening, and I think throughout it, it's it's got its tongue really in its cheek, hasn't it? Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's, it's so swollen. clear. It's so <laughs> clear that you're not meant to be taking this seriously, and that helps because um, it was he's always sold as uh, a Hitchcock kind of homage or rip off, depending on how <laughs> you're feeling. But I was watching this, and I was kind of freed from that. Clearly, that's there. Obviously, well, it's, it's a complete <laughs> mashup of um, Rear Window and Vertigo. Vertigo um, but that was fine. It, well, it was like the film, the idea of this film isn't to try and trick you or do things. It's kind of expecting you with that title. Mm. And you don't have to be too much of a sort of film fan to know what the setups of Rear Window and Vertigo, and you'll recognise the references in there. It's more about how it's been done. And yeah. I just thought it was brilliantly, brilliantly done. I, yeah. I really enjoyed it. It is so over the top, and that it was so. Um, drenched in comedy you know yeah it, yeah it really celebrates it as yeah. well you know there's there's no ever like half measures it's just like we're just going to go out all out every time absolutely and um yeah i mean it's the old thing of like cranking it up to 11 but it, it really is you know i think anyone who sits down and watches this and doesn't cotton on to that yeah. immediately is going to have a real happen. struggle with it like. and yeah this was nominated for the golden raspberries Razzies, which tells yeah. us how much they know <laughs> you know because yeah. i was watching the, the there's a beautiful bit in it when um craig wasson's character eventually catches up with this woman he's obsessed with um his neighbor who has been spying on he's been following her around for about 20 minutes <laughs> in film time something happens which I, th- I think most people have seen this but just in case you haven't and they go for this clinch from nowhere you know they don't all right something's happened but it's not like it would have resulted in uh, wild passion and the camera zooms around them for <laughs> ages with this over-the-top Richard Clayderman style music and it's a really processed backdrop as well isn't Pino it Dinaggio yeah. music yeah and uh, I just thought that was wonderful uh, his name gets invoked a lot but um, Cl- Ken Russell it was very much in that kind yeah, of yeah I guess I mean, in fact it was like a video he did with Cliff Richard and Sarah Brightman <laughs> I think when they had loads of um, speeded up clouds and sunsets behind them <laughs> But no, it was wonderful. I so enjoyed this. That's fantastic. Yeah. And not just for the obvious thing, which yeah, is, uh, well, yeah. But the, the the thing is, I think Melanie Griffith was actually she was quite lauded for her performance in this, but she doesn't come into the last forty minutes of the film. Yeah. Um, oh, you've seen her before, mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, but yeah, I mean, I thought she was quite good, but I think the whole film really like hinges on Wasson's performance, and mm. he's brilliant. Like he's this. He's a he, schlub. Yeah, he is. He's, I mean, he looks a lot like Tim Allen. He just yeah. looks really world weary. We and were we were briefly chatting before we started recording, and you said, "I think on your was it on your DVD?" It said he's a young actor. Yeah, 
but he's clearly not, is he? He's not the weird thing is he looks like he must have been around the block a bit, and yet he's getting basic acting lessons. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got to go to that place when it happened to you and think about it again. But I'm the sardine. They're I'm not a sardine. <laughs> they're not meant to yes. find me. <laughs> but yeah, um, and he's like he dresses like Larry David. Um, Did you know he's that? not the a st- he's not as stylish as Larry David. The he's very the much, He's got the corduroy jacket, hasn't he? It's. Um, and he's dre- he actually looks a bit like Robert Englund as well, doesn't he? He's kind of balding a bit, but keeping the old mullet going. Oh, he's back. rocking that mullet. Like. Yes. He doesn't care what anyone thinks about that. But just has his permanently pained expression. And I don't think it's giving too much away. There's the opening when he gets claustrophobia, which is it's sad, but it's also hilarious because he's got these fangs and he's completely frozen with tears rolling down yes. his side of his face. <laughs> that just to compound that, he goes home and his, his <laughs> girlfriend's on the job with some blood and she doesn't care does she no. has a brief look on her face of oh shit but then yeah. she just carries just on carry with a look on. of contempt she was glowing yes <laughs> it was uh, it was it was it was great it was a great balancing act I think if it had gone a little further it would have just been an out and out comedy and you wouldn't have cared about the thriller elements and if it had gone too far to the thriller you'd have thought the comedy was really misplaced yeah and you yeah. got it bang on and especially yeah. that key scene with the Frankie goes to Hollywood video, <laughs> which he actually did, didn't he? De Palma did the video for Relax. Did the he? original one was banned, right. and then he actually did one for them. Hence them being in the film. Oh, I Apparently, see. Apparently, I think I read that on Wikipedia or something like. That. So I can't. I can't well, no, he didn't do the, the famous one with um, the Roman orgies. Did no, he? that's the one Philip, that was banned. Wasn't uh, it? What's his name? Not Philip Savile, is it? Or is it? Or Bernard Rose, even I think. It's either Bernard Rose or. It, uh, yeah, could well be. I was wondering if it might be Pete Christopherson who was with like Throbbing Gristle. He was doing loads of oh, yeah. like very ultra sort of yes. music videos of that time, that period. With stuff with Mark Almond and like Fat Men and Water Sports. <laughs> Something like that. We're, we're going off the subject. Well, not too far off the subject actually. Uh, but yeah, I'm not sure how much of the plot to give away because, like I say, I think the title. And if you've ever seen Hitchcock or Rear Window, you're probably going to... I certainly wasn't surprised by any revelation in well, this I, at all. Well, I only watched this for the first time about a month ago, I yeah. think, and I got it very quickly. Even I mean, before uh, there was meant to be any. Exactly, yeah. yeah. I mean, there, there are two quite obvious things yeah. that kind of happen on a second viewing, yeah. but the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, that's, that's so obvious. Yeah. Um, like I say, that's not... It's not meant to pull the rug out it, from under you. It's no. the enjoyment of seeing this thing sort of un- unwind. Yeah, yeah. And also, it has that, there's some amazing um, scenery. Like some of the locations are fantastic. The main one being the the chemosphere is yeah. like the bachelor pad, which yeah. is owned by Benedict Taschen now <laughs> right. uh, of Taschen Books. Well, the publishers. Yeah, yeah. he spent yeah. like millions like um, redoing it because it was in a state of disrepair. For well, you. I should think so after this. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we had to get the clean. But it is just this like, amazing, you know, like revolving restaurant style. Yeah, um, it's like a big disc on a pole, isn't it? Yeah, but with glass all phallic, around yeah. it. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> Lovely, and yeah, as soon as he gets there, uh, the guy who's giving him the keys to the place tells him to look out this telescope where the, his neighbour is always performing. And uh, I mean, that is that, that's excellently executed, shall we say? <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, it had really great music over it. Is that I still? I love that thing. It's Pino Donaggio, yeah. Because the rest of his stuff's very orchestral, and and this seemed like it was very much going for risky business and American gigolo kind yeah, of. Yeah, he's got those like nice little sort of like um, loop looping yeah. like. I think on like if you buy a keyboard, they call like yeah. vibes or something. Yeah. Like, um, but yeah, that 
I actually on I just did a Cinescape mix yeah. recently, and uh, the last one I did it on some guy called Steve Moore, who's in the band Zombie, who mm-hmm. was in Zombie. He loves synths and stuff. He did a remix of it, which not, is not the zombies. No, no, no. Yeah, well, God, I <laughs> <laughs> um, But yeah, it's, it's such a brilliant theme, like, and it and comes it's really, throughout. Yeah, like. It's really sweet, isn't it? It's a yeah, little bit yeah. like, um, it, like I say, the production's more like Marauder or Tangerine Dream. The, yeah. The, 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 it's more like you're getting um, Emmanuel when it's quite innocent kind <laughs> yes. of sound and celebratory so much so that you don't feel any guilt about um, v- being voyeuristic watching, <laughs> watching a, watching a half naked woman <laughs> masturbating in her bedroom um, I don't know how, have you read American Psycho? Um, many years ago but I know that's one of Pat Bateman's sort yeah. of big books in it, 37 he? times <laughs> he, uh, he rented it out <laughs> And uh, he he loved that. Um, yeah, well, there's a there's, a there's an infamous scene, scene in it with a drill. And yeah, well, yeah, it won't be a surprise. There is a murder in it, but it's so over the top again. <laughs> it's brilliant. It's, it's so unnecessarily over the top because it could have just been a knife or a gun, but it's and it's the way it's just like drawn out as well. And you know, there's lots of like I, I don't know. It probably sounds abstract the way we're yeah. explaining it, but. Um, Wasson's obviously in the Jimmy Stewart role and he's yeah. trying to prevent this murder but, but he's being attacked he's a, by a, a white dog at the time and which I being, watched recently and he's being helped <laughs> by a few jump, uh, <laughs> chubby joggers yeah <laughs> I love the fact they actually follow him over a spiked fence yeah. <laughs> think oh that guy, yeah let's actually let's help him it. out he's clearly not a lunatic or anything <laughs> and all this before Melanie Griffiths yeah and then she Holly Holly Body um, this this uh, this was incredible for me because I only knew her really from um, Working Girl and I was always amazed because I, I well I'm not really a fan of that film but um, she was a huge celebrity all of a sudden when that came out so I remember even I think the posters originally were Harrison Ford and Sigourney Weaver and she was just in the background but then she was right up front you know she really burst onto the scene from that and I just she was a, a big star for a few years and I could never really see it yeah. and I see her a, I see her in a different light after this. <laughs> I bet you do. Well, no, she does look amazing in it, in but she's light. she's so bang on the money as well. Her performance, that that squeaky voice is exactly. really suited I was to it. Say it really lends itself, yeah. doesn't it? Um, in a way that possibly I've not seen Bonfire of the Vanities, but apparently she's quite miscast in that. Okay, yeah. that, that's one of my to watches yes. in my uh, De Palma Fest. But um, yeah, no, she was great. But ultimately, like I said before, it. it all boils down to Wasson for me and when you first meet her uh, Griffiths Jake Scully is his character's name he's trying to get to the bottom of this uh, <laughs> this plot and she's got no backs in her chaps yeah but he he uh, dresses up and pretends to be a porn producer to lure her to back to his pad to get information out and the transition from how you've known him through the film yeah. to that is astonishing I, I was amazing. like hats off to him Well, leather jacket, hair gel back leather trousers as well I think yeah just astonishing <laughs> there's a little bit like that in the Gene Wilder movie The Woman in Red when I think he gets um, oh. is that with uh, what's she called? Kelly Kelly Brooke, Brooke, but yeah. he's full of the joys of spring and suddenly he comes into the office <laughs> with his hair straightened wearing this incredible 80s fashion <laughs> weird lapels and like you know, like a scientist, it's, it's a brilliant scene because he's so excited about a project, and everyone's just staring at him. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that there was a few seconds I didn't recognise him at all. Forget Lemonade Joe, and I didn't know he was singing in English. This I was like, yeah. who's this guy? Oh god! Because <laughs> <laughs> yes. I found that it's very clever that whole 
you know, because you have this, it's not really an impromptu music video, but mm. yeah, Frankie goes to perform. And you're not quite sure how that's come about. And then yeah. it goes into this section where he is pretending to be the producer. And it's very cleverly done because it's all in the space of a few minutes. Mm. But you do kind of... It, 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 Trips there's a great a bit when bit. you think he's wandered onto the set because everyone else mm. is in all this sort of bondage gear and stuff. <laughs> yeah. and he's like in a golfing sweater, an argyle sweater, yes, on, and, yeah. uh, <laughs> big glasses. But then I think when the door closes, there's a mirror and you can see, you the, see the camera crew. It's yeah. great because for a while I was thinking this is very much like. Um, obviously you're not going to pick holes in it because they're both great films. But uh, it always annoys me in the movie The Stunt Man when they seem to show the fact that they do film scenes in continuous five minute takes. Yeah. As if there's one camera that's taking everything in, you know. Right, so, right. Even yeah. though they'd be cutting between stuff. And this I guess again, that's you're thinking. A, a budgetary thing. Yeah, I, I suppose it's just because it, you've got to keep the plot flowing, haven't yeah. you? You're not going to sort of sp stick to the reality. And there's as no well. point sticking <laughs> to reality in this film. No. <laughs> but no, the other bending of reality, I suppose, we can't discuss it in too much detail, but there's a bizarre moment towards the finale, isn't there? Uh, which for a moment you're thinking, oh God, is this all going to have been a dream or something? Oh, you're, right, I oh, see right. what you but mean. But even yeah. there you're thinking, Oh no, I think I know where this is going. And mm. it's really good. It does play funny little games like that. Like I said at the beginning, if within the first ten minutes of watching it you're not in with it, yeah. you you're completely out of the joke. Yeah. And to try and pick holes with the like the plot and stuff yeah. is it's just kind of irrelevant. Yeah. You know, you've you've got to um you've got to grab hold of the Palmer's <laughs> coattails and go with it. <laughs> it's funny because Dennis Franz, who's the director, yeah. based his performance on um, De Palma. Wow, that, that makes sense actually. Yeah. Gosh, so I wonder if this is what Tom Cruise watched when he was going to uh, go off to do Mission Impossible, <laughs> <laughs> or Mission Missionary Impossible. <laughs> so you've been singing the praises of uh, Craig Wesson. Yeah. You looked into any of his filmography? Um, no. Uh, I think I've seen him in something else, but I'm not. Are you going to? Yeah, say it was. Um, no, I mean, there was a film well, I do I remember seeing a long time ago, um, Roller Coaster with Tim Bottoms. Um, I don't oh, know. right, yeah. There's a few others I'd heard of, but there was one that had a great title. I think it was the last film listed from 2006 called uh, Sasquatch Mountain. <laughs> oh, no. So it looks like his career went from strength to strength after this. <laughs> was he? A, do you think he was the Sasquatch of the mountain? <laughs> what a great name. You've got Sasquatch Mountain, is it? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> that mountain that no one ever sees it's always like black and white photos blurred looking behind yeah, you stumbling off into the distance you know i think that you're absolutely right we should go to the police really yes you believe me yes i believe you i believe you are number one sicko and that you should be put away for life i mean i know all about you guys i've seen about you on on late night television you're one of those necrophiliacs a corpse fucker I am not. yes i mean i turn you on all right the only problem is that i'm still moving now you can tell we're a pretty professional pair we like to get into the right frame of mind before we start recording. <laughs> I do some yogic breathing exercises. Phil's doing a little Tai Chi routine behind me, even as we record. Sticking two fingers. Oh God! Um, but no, I was I wasn't really concentrating when I was coming in today. I was on the bus. Mm. Um, I, I was initially a bit distracted because two, well, no, it was about half a dozen very excited kids got onto the bus. And I was sitting at the front, so one of them, they were sitting right by me because I wanted to drive the bus. And um, they started singing a song, which because I just watched Bobby, Body Double, Bobby Double? <laughs> because I just watched Body Double before coming out, um, the fact that they were singing Petrol Makes the Bus Work, Petrol Makes the Bus Work, I was thinking, yeah, okay. Then it was, um, 
pump it up the pipe, <laughs> pump it up the pipe, and then squirt it to the top. <laughs> oh my god! Really? Yeah, and I was thinking, oh man, oh man. Uh, it, they went on and on, and then I think they started freestyling with the lyrics to "Humans Make the Cycles Work." <laughs> Humans make like a like an edition of the Matrix, but with a good carbon footprint. That's amazing. But then um, they got off, and I thought, oh, thank God for that. And then a couple, probably in their thirties, got on, and they, you know, it's a very sunny day today, very bright and warm. They looked to be having a great time, full of the joys of spring. And then they said, oh, um, Augusta will be coming around for six. <laughs> I said, oh, right, what are we going to do with her? And uh, the girl said, I've got Home Alone. He said, Home Alone? He said, yeah, Home Alone and Home Alone too." <laughs> the mood changed considerably. Wow. Um, <laughs> I don't know what set it off, but the guy was in a bad mood after that. But Home Alone two's great. <laughs> I love Home Alone two. <laughs> you should have been there it's to support It's way better her. than the first one. I don't know what set it off, but before long he was going, well... It looks like I'm going to be spending my whole weekend with a ten-year-old. Well, you agreed to it. Well, I didn't have much choice, did I? <laughs> and I just think I think it's nice to know that Macaulay Culkin can still ruin relationships <laughs> twenty years down the line. <laughs> no, mate, he's in for a treat with Home Alone too. Though it's another of those great like um, sequel better than movie, the original um, really uh, movie set in a hotel. Oh, right, like Dustin checks, checks in. Which I watched. I watched the other day. Did it have a hom homosexual baiting orangutan? It did. He was. There was no yeah. reason to have a go at this guy. It's the guy there. from Demolition Man. You know, the helper of um, <laughs> Nigel Hawthorne. Nigel Hawthorne's wow. helper. He's, he's uh, got a very. And he's got a career. dog called Neil after <laughs> Neil Armstrong. I thought it said Neil Tennant. <laughs> so he. <can't. laughs> no, it was great fun. I really enjoyed it. Oh, again. <laughs> anyway. You may prove me wrong now because mm. your maths might be better than mine. But this is our thirty-second show. It is. We do three show, three films a show. We do, which brings us up to ninety-six. But we did a Halloween special as well, where we reviewed four films, which makes our next film the one hundredth film. Really? Yeah. I'm not going to include the Fright Fest specials because no, we didn't no, watch no, this. No. Some, sometimes I only watched a film. You only watched a film. You know. Uh, yeah. We're watching different things. Plus, well, I think we reviewed the weekend as a whole. Really, we were so. mainly drinking in the pub. <laughs> we we were out. reviewing. <laughs> we were reviewing. What was that place called? Leicester Square. Oh God. I've forgotten now. Anyway, the next film. Yeah, something different. It's the gonna, Imperial. The Imperial. <laughs> no, that's not the next film. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> but yeah, our one hundredth film. Yeah, special. Woo! Put it there. That was Hans, by the way. <laughs> yeah, not Melanie Griffith. <laughs> Between his box office flop The Odd Job and Triumph in Life of Brian, Monty Python's Graham Chapman starred in a little scene oddity for Dutch TV. 1979 Small Creeps Day has Chapman as a factory worker who realises he has no idea what the machine he makes components for actually is. Answers are not forthcoming as Small Creep heads deeper into his labyrinthine workplace, encountering pigs with union rights, ferrymen avoiding evolving life forms in the sewage flooded basement, a literal pissing contest, and knitted jackets for birthday cakes. So wow, this is an unlikely one. Um, I'd never heard of it, and I'm quite a big Monty Python fan. I've read quite a few books on them. Yeah, I was going to ask if you've read Chapman's. Is it My Life with Calcium? Oh, there's Calcium Made Interesting. I Cal think is a My it's um, calcium. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, calcium Made Interesting. I think is a collection of um, 
sketches he'd written for projects that never ah, got off the ground, right. including ones which I'll come on to actually in a sec. Mm. The only mention I've ever seen of this is in his book, A Liar's Autobiography. Okay. He mentions it briefly. Because the thing is, I mean, I don't know, I think there's a lot of Python fans out there, but Chapman was notoriously an alcoholic. And, yeah. Um, like I say, by Life of Brian, he got his act together, but he was drying out. Um, apparently, he just completely knocked it on the head. I don't think there's any pills or treatment. He just sort of went into... That really lends turkey. itself to the performance. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's possibly not too surprising. There's not too much mention of this about, because I think... Um, well, we'll get on to his performance. I mean, I think he's good, but he, he's mostly responding in this. In fact, it's not too dissimilar, I think... Um, Better known is the the video he did for Iron Maiden. Can I play with madness when he's a school teacher? Have you not seen that? Uh, I think I have. Now that you say school teacher, I yeah, think there's I a have, bunch of kids. Yeah. yeah, I suppose if the time it came out is right before he died. I think because mm. um, he looks quite gaunt in it. Um, but there's a bunch of kids in an abbey. I think the remains of an abbey, and he falls through into a, a basement with a a, ma- a ma- heavy metal magazine. But yeah, he's he's responding to this. Obviously, it's a pop video. He's responding to the stuff going mm. on. And it's very much the same here, isn't he? He's there in his, um, he's there in his dungarees and his flat cap. Um, but I, d- I just wanted to say thanks to. Oh um, yes, the reason we know now? this. <laughs> the reason we know this. Uh, it was actually we we didn't mention that yet. One of the reasons this is such an obscurity is uh, it was made for Dutch TV in the late seventies, so in nineteen seventy-eight. Um, Nine. Oh, sorry, yeah, nineteen seventy-nine. Um, and yeah, not very well known. So we're we're indebted to someone who sent us an off-air copy of it, um, Esther April, um, out there in the Netherlands. Good man or woman? Sorry, yeah. <laughs> I'm not well, sure. Who knows? <laughs> Sorry, Esther. But yeah, it's quite a discovery. I mean, th- I think that introduction gives you some sense of how bizarre it is. Yeah, and, um, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Really. Well, yeah. Even though it's Chapman, it's none of the other Pythons are involved. Although. It, Again, surprising this is obscure because it has Douglas Adams and John Lloyd, who's now a famous comedy producer. He did Not the Nine O'Clock News. Um, People might know from that little thing called QI. QI. <laughs> QI what was the other? Uh, Blackadder. Blackadder. But yeah, they. Um, I think when they were not as successful because I mean they um, Hitchhikers took a little while to take off between the. They had a series. lean period. Yeah, but they <laughs> were doing. Um, they were. I know they contributed scripts to a TV show you're too young to remember called Doctor Snuggles for Dutch TV. It was a bit of an international production with Peter Eustonoff. Right. But, uh, yeah. They. They. Um, they with came Eustonoff. with the, Yeah. Yeah. Eustonoff oh, right. did the voices for that. So yeah, basically, so weird. This is falling into obscurity. <laughs> well, maybe not because it was for Dutch TV, but you'd have thought there'd have been some kind of. Uh, someone snap up the rights at least or something. Yeah. I mean, there might be some complexities with legal stuff with. Um, the, the soundtrack and whatnot, but yeah, uh, yeah th- thanks very much, um, Erster. Uh, sorry, I've hogged the mic. What did you think? Absolutely bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's it's a funny one because I mean it's made for TV, but like the production values are quite impressive. Mm. But in a way that um, they're just very creative. <laughs> it's very hard to not talk about Python because of the settings the scenery and the humor in it because it is it is very funny but it's that it's very not python-esque in that it's surreal for the sake of being surreal um it's just lending itself to like everyday situations that that are magnified yeah, and then become surreal in their own like in their own little environment just because it's set in a factory immediately i was thinking like oh my god it's gillian because you have these sort of sets where there's just pipes running everywhere mm-hmm. running um, like in 
Brazil. The, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can't even remember the name of the films <laughs> anymore. Um, but also, I had the Amiga uh, Monty Python game when I was younger. Computer. All right. <laughs> and um, it was what's his face with the uh, all like the gumbies. The Hitler guy with mustache. Yeah, the gumbies with the, yeah. the knotted handkerchiefs. But all the yeah. background and stuff for that was it was all pipes and yeah. him chasing sausages down pipes and stuff. <laughs> yes. It was Palin who did that, wasn't it? Well they all did the gumbies at some point. Oh, okay, yeah. 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 I remember like, the Palin. With one. the with the Wellingtons and the Yeah, but it this yeah. this there's numerous scenes where, you know, you've got these pipes uh running through and Chapman's just going along, I suppose, or small creep I should say. He's following almost in a way like the the line of pipes through the yeah, factory. Following the component is built as kind of a slot and a pulley and just down and down, and finding no one's really got an answer to what what they're making. Uh, but immediately encountering weird things. I mean, there's the eyeballs floating around and underneath. It's kind of a good optical effect. Well, it's very. That there's was a, the other thing because uh, you know it's quite literary, liter literary, literary, literary in some yeah. ways. Particularly, uh, Kafka springs to mind mm -hmm. because he encounters these situations that are like bureaucracy uh, and such yeah. logic. Yeah, and like I was saying about how the the surrealism of it, but it's very grounded as yeah. well. You know, it's something that you can quite relate to. Quite early on, because it's clear he's never left that little bit of the production line. And as he goes further in and meets stranger and stranger people, and and eventually they become actually quite sort of deformed, don't they? There's there's a character who's pretty much just a mouth with a flat cap covering the rest, yeah. completely flat head. Quite a nice bit of prosthetics. Andy um, Cap. Andy Cap. <laughs> there's a guy with eyes on either side of his head, so he has to keep turning around to see. You can see how it's done, but it looks really effective. Yeah. Yeah. And then just odd things, like um, quite early on he gets knocked over by a guy with a forklift who scatters small creep sandwiches. <laughs> but whilst he's gathering himself, the guy's got the sandwiches He's just getting them, all. them into yeah. his mouth. It's like the guy from uh, Blue Collar. Yeah. He smashes up the vending machine. The <laughs> but yeah, so many weird things in this. And it just it's not that structured. It is kind of like a series of sketches, but it's all that really good framework to it yeah um being dutch um <laughs> so really is, yes. <laughs> is that been um, a problem for you yeah <laughs> like we said uh, chapman's performance here is pretty good because he just he has to react but um throughout it um because they say it was it's kind of a it's a it's never had a really an official release so um it was subtitled throughout um but yeah he'll encounter various odd characters they'll usually give big monologues won't they which um I don't yeah, know, he's having, just having, doing a lot of reacting to, isn't he? Yeah, and he's really good at it. But mm. um, having done Lemonade Joe in this kind of Czech um, diatribe against the West, this was like even more <laughs> going for it, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's definitely some political motivation underneath it. Oh, I noticed that there was, um, towards the end, there was some funding um, from East Germany. It right. Like, yeah, when I was... Because I, I looked at the end and there was... Um, can't remember mm. I didn't write it down yeah but um it was a, a small film company that yeah. was set up in um during the cold war yeah oh. on um on the east german side maybe <laughs> that's why that's why it wasn't set in uh in in west germany because it's interesting that um the music was actually provided by um uh the plank studios connie plank was a uh, um, a producer for people like Cluster. He was mm -hmm. close friends with Brian Eno. All oh, right, he was part of that crowd rock um, uh, scene. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So Cause yeah, because yeah, the music's great. It's really got that industrial feel to it, and just has this constant atmosphere Absolutely. going on through the Which background. Which you need, you know. I don't know. Yeah. Do you know Faust? 
I've heard of them. I've not really heard that much okay, of their they, stuff. They though, sort of set the precedent for that kind of yeah. stuff, like sampling people, like hitting sheets of metal and that. I mean, it is not like that. Yeah, <laughs> but no, it, it's, 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 it's in the realms. Yeah, but no, correct. It's really bizarre atmosphere for it. The various other things that just go on. In, uh, the, lovely scene we mentioned in the introduction when they find a pig that's got union rights it's got all its big <laughs> notice services <laughs> and then I think it, it, they think it enjoys having the sparks from the machine scratching its back and things <laughs> um, a suicide in the toilets is always going oh on God, yeah. um, sex in the toilet the to- I was going to say the toilet happening scene is like, like, quite grim it is, yeah it made me feel it, it reminded me of um, 1984 when mm. um, when Winston's he keeps having those visions of going back to that like really old scraggy whore <laughs> and like she just lifts up her skirt oh no it's really unpleasant but it was similar scenes to that oil well because it reminded me of the toilet in train spotting as well oh god <laughs> well like i say there's there's an element of gilliam's movie brazil here but this is before meaning of life but it had a lot of that kind of sense of humor it's pushing it a much much further yeah yeah well when was meaning of life was that 82? 83 oh right yeah 83 okay yeah so because uh, i mean it's very hard because you got chapman there mm. without thinking about the pythons as mm. soon as i i saw it i was like Oh yeah, but there's like that element of Brazil, and there's even that character um, later on who is like one guy, and he's got a dwarf on top of him yes. as well. He thinks he's a tall guy, doesn't he? Yeah. And when he gets there, because it's a silhouette, and then when he gets there, it's a guy with a dwarf sitting on his shoulders. It's a bit like Master Blaster in um, Mad Max. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and later on, there's also like two other characters who they're almost like twins, and they seem mm. to be doing a repeat process of moving one thing from one side of a gangway yeah. to another side um, but it, it put me in mind I know you've not seen it but yeah. Labyrinth um, right. which is Terry Jones wow so um, it's all you think this could be the Rosetta Stone that yeah, kind of influenced them all it seems to be it's odd because it's, well, it's no, like I'm not, not going to deny it because it does yeah. seem I mean obviously they're all really creative guys on their own right yeah, and it's yeah. more possibly this took those influences and slightly beat them to it. I don't yeah. know <laughs> or it might be like when like Jeff Lynne Loved the Beatles and then ended up producing them or something. Right, yeah. okay, yeah. Because, oh, yeah, um, I, I didn't write the director's name down, but uh, I've not heard of him. No, uh, no. Although I did see uh, one of the executive producers mm. was uh, Keys Cassandra. Oh, right. Who actually. It's like Jarman and. Um, and uh, Greenaway. Greenaway. Yeah. Like, he's still doing Greenaway stuff yeah. now because oh, actually it, Greenaway's going to do uh, Death in Venice. Really? Adaptation. Yeah, that's his next project. Oh. Sorry, I just read about yes, that. that's right. <laughs> Yeah, but I did want to like mention something because of uh, we covered memories. Um, uh, Katsuhiro yeah. Tomo on one of the previous shows, and there's a great sequence in that called Cannon Fodder. Yeah, where everyone's it's the big in factory that. just making shells. Exactly, yeah. and you, I, I really got something yeah. from this as yeah. well. You know, because no one's no one's got any answers for it. it mm. It's funny because you've got this protagonist who. Is kind of curious, but he's absolutely the same Blank. mindset yeah. as well. I think it has to be that way because he's following the thing. The idea is he's been working there for years, hasn't he? Mm. Um, this from the cap. Again, there's kind of a silent movie element to it. A kind of caption comes at the beginning telling you what the situation is. And it sort of dawns on him. There's a literal light bulb sort of going on over his head. Um, I think for it to work, small creep has to be more of a plot device he just has to go from thing to thing yeah. and um, yeah was, well, even the name Small Creep he has to be yeah. this guy who's not obsequious but has just been downtrodden hasn't bothered thinking about anything and he's no. like all the other fodder here 
and then finally gets this sort of backbone and or curiosity and goes to find out what's going on. So he's kind of the least of the characters. I mean, the standout performance is the only other actor I recognise in it mm. is when we get to the the basement. Oh yeah, that's again. You know, it's like you quite unexpected. You, you yeah. have this terrible scene where um, there's <laughs> he's having sex with this woman in a toilet and then it's like Chapman must have hated it it's like we follow the pipe down or something and you end up in the the, the septic tank and uh, yeah which has these kind of hairy things you never see them but they're just like floating at the surface yeah and just they, breaking are the they surface. called floaters does he call them I floaters think it does. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the translation yeah. and, uh, and it's it's Rutger Hauer it's Rutger Hauer <laughs> is this kind of ferryman because it who actually had who was in wedlock with the floaters the tank oh, remember oh, yes. remember watch that all coming together. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah a great turn from him as well. I'm nearly unrecognizable mm. um, under a lot of um, a lot of makeup. dirty makeup yeah. <laughs> but you need to be when you're in a, he's he's like the guy in um, waterworld who's in the oil <laughs> you know in yes. the tanker yes. and he's sort of like uh-oh when he when he all gets blown up at the end so i mean i've got to say i mean I was so pleased to see this because it was it was kind of like the point of the podcast where it's finding these things that don't get any any love anywhere else but this is almost like it's, I think if people knew about it yeah I think I'm amazed it hasn't been like, given a proper release because I'm, but then I don't know I think like you say there are those few Chapman compilations of his sketches and stuff but through his life a lot of his projects were thwarted because he was seen as unreliable and I think he was a bit way out even for the, the other pythons not to denigrate them but they kind of settled down a little bit yeah like michael palin again well, I, I like michael palin but um, he became a much more accessible character and so did the others eric idol's now doing musicals and you think mm. chapman was always a little bit odd you know yeah he, he was always a, doing he was really off kilter things and like, lived that life was. even mm. even off um, off camera i mean um but no i thought it was a really good film um really well worth tracking down if you can find a copy of it um, the question I mean, I've got to ask you is, um, like I say, is we've got to find out what this thing is making is. We don't want to give away the ending, but did you find that a satisfying conclusion? Because uh, I thought he was going to have something cheap, like he just went around in a circle and came back to the beginning, and it was all just a big... Yeah. Know, but it does have this really <laughs> astonishing finale. Yeah, I, f I found it quite odd. Um, it's something that I'm going to have to go go back to and mm. uh, sort of like try and soak up again because as I was watching it I had like something set in my mind and it didn't what, you'd second guessed it or yeah. yeah and um, yeah I just need to sort of uh, reconfirm my uh, my suspicions yeah because yeah even though we've been saying Chapman doesn't do a great Jack Chap Chapman's job is to respond here at the end I think he gives a great performance just his reaction and there's just a real <laughs> Again, I don't want to give away the last shot, but it's all about his facial, it's his facial expression at the end, and yeah. his decision on what he's going to do about this. You know, so no, um, I'm very pleased that was our hundredth movie. <laughs> it's yeah. absolutely nuts. It's, uh, I just, I, it's a nuts film, and it's nuts. It's not better known. No, no, it's a shame. Yeah, just get out there and hunt it down. And anyone who sees this, you know, please let us know what you think of it. It's, oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah definitely. I, I, I mean, we'd like to know what you think of any of the films reviewed, but this one, especially because it's so so criminal it's not known yeah it's it's one of those as well that you it's a bit like when we had running out of luck I want to just share it with everyone well yeah so, it's possible but I don't know if I want to be that illegal about it there's only a certain amount of illegality you can get away with <laughs> 
you are small creep. <laughs> yeah, no, um, what is it, Pirate Bay now? They're all talking about putting the servers into little miniature aeroplanes up into the sky so that they, they can't be shot out of the sky because that's like an act of war or something. Is this real? Yeah, no, that's real. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Well, that wraps it up for show 32. There's, we're going to clock off now. Yeah, what have you got lined up for Sunday? Uh, absolutely nothing, actually. don't really plan my weekends anymore. I'll no. be, I'm looking after Zeb all day because Estelle's <laughs> got loads of work. I've just remembered I've got a son. Yeah, yeah, that, that pesky little creature. Um, I yeah, got, got um, I got a cable the other day that connects my iPad to the TV. Oh, Absolutely fantastic. So I could just lie back on the sofa now and, and watch the TV. And as soon as I did that last night, the springs went in the sofa. Oh. <coughs> I tipped through. So I'm going to spend my Sunday um, tipping the sofa up and trying to... Apparently <coughs> it's very difficult to stretch the springs because they're really kind of... <laughs> yeah, well, they're, they're highly sprung, aren't they? They're highly sprung, yeah. <laughs> So that... Got a bit of plumbing to do. Bloody hell, man. Yeah, I feel man like, about the house. Like, you're like, a small group. Um, <laughs> I wish I was Richard O'Sullivan in Man About the House. That would be something <laughs> else. Uh, still, we'll be back in a few weeks' time. But in the meantime, would you like to get in touch with us? Give us your votes on Werner Herzog. Yes. Uh, so you can check us out on Facebook. Just put us in there. Twitter, uh, at Midnight Video. Hey. You can follow me as well. Yeah. At the, furious. at the Furious. Uh, that's T-H-E-P-H-U-R-I-O-U-S. Uh, but I think most people generally kind of, they seem to follow me in that video and then I get this glut of followers after. So it's quite nice. <laughs> You're the Messiah. Yeah. You're not the Messiah. I'm far from, I'm <laughs> uh, yeah, or send us something on our Hotmail account, midnightvideo at hotmail.co.uk mm-hmm. or check out our website, which is midnight-video.com where Phil will be putting up some stills from hopefully yeah we might have um, trouble with small creep because um, yeah, because yeah um, when we were sending it it's like a bootleg video it's quite difficult to I can't yeah I'm struggling to get it because I've got one of those uh, recorders like mm. VHS to um, DVD. DVD well it's it, you, you copy it to the hard drive yeah. first but because um, it like skips quite a bit yeah. it seems to like uh, could be tricky. but I'll yeah. try we'll see I'll what try. we can come up with we can do something but yeah, thanks for joining us. Um, oh, next show, it's our first anniversary. The 33rd, and it's also my 33rd birthday. It's 33 and a third, <laughs> it's all going on in, in a big recursion. So yeah, we're going to be doing something a little bit different for that one. Yeah, Should we reveal that now, or yeah. it'll be a nice surprise? Well, it'll, it'll be a surprise, whether it's nice or be up to work. It's going to be a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but join us, join us next time. Have a great time before then, having in good... Uh, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm going to do something else. Now. <laughs> but yes, join us then in a few weeks' time. Have a great few weeks yourself. Yeah, enjoy your sunny weekend. Yeah. It's, it's enjoy Home Alone and Home Alone 2. Home Alone 2. It's classic. Yeah. But you should have watched Home Alone and uh, Body Double, I think. That would have been. <laughs> oh, I, wow. I think Augusta would have enjoyed that more. <laughs> On that note. Okay. Cheerio. Bye.
Isn't one mission impossible enough? <laughs>